Well, before I release the children, so just hold tight for a second. I just want to take the a moment before we get into too many things and release the kids. Uh, just to, on behalf of myself, behalf of Larry and Tommy and our wives, we just want to say thank you again so much for uh, just the, the Pastor Appreciation Month of October and all the outpouring of gifts and cards and words of encouragement. And I just can't say enough about how blessed we are to be a part of this congregation as we work alongside of you to do ministry Man, we are blessed to be able to see how generous and amazing and loving you are as a congregation. So thank you again very much, a very heartfelt thank you from uh, Larry and myself and Tommy and our wives. We really appreciate uh, all of what was given and, and the appreciation that was shown us. And so uh, before I release the kids, though, I, I do want to mention to all you parents, next Sunday is November 1st. Uh, by the way, that is Daylight Savings Time, so make sure to set your clocks back, fall back. Otherwise, you'll just be here early. That's okay, too. Uh, and uh, we will be starting our Christmas program practice. And so the kids will head straight downstairs when you get here uh, during that 1030 time frame, and they'll begin Christmas program practice. That's three-year-olds all the way up through eighth graders, okay? So we're looking to see anybody that wants to be involved in Christmas program practice. If you don't necessarily want to be involved in the program, that's kind of what's going to be taking place for the kids during that time frame so uh, just kind of plan accordingly you can stay up here during the service or you can go down and be a part of it uh, we'd love for you to be available for the Christmas program that'll take place in December so that'll begin next Sunday November 1st all right at this time if you have children that uh, would like to head down to we worship to the children's church time uh, they are free to leave head down and you can head to the kids zone and uh, we're glad that you're all here. And as they make their way downstairs, I do want to welcome again everyone this morning. If you have not filled out a Connect card, we'd love for you to do that. Uh, my name is Charles Gwen, the lead pastor here. And if you're joining us online, thank you so much for taking the time to be together as the body of Christ, whether in person or online. It is uh, an encouraging thing to see all those that are uh, showing up online and it's very encouraging to get to see all your smiling faces here this morning as well. We're wrapping up a two-week mini-sermon series that we started last week on financial fitness. And I know sometimes uh, it seems like, man, in the church all they talk about is, is money and finances and those type of things. This is only a two-week sermon series. So if you were here last week and you're here today, you got the whole series taken care of, all right? So way to go. Good job on that. If you weren't here last week, you're more than welcome to check... You get caught up online, pvcc.info or .com. And uh, again, it's just mostly just a, a time that I just want to encourage us as we begin our new fiscal year as a church here in November and kind of what God wants to do with us as a congregation through us as we reach out to the lost and as we try to have an impact for the kingdom of God. And, and so we're talking today, where we talked last week anyway, about three myths Three myths when it comes to, if, if I have more, then I'm going to be happier. Or if I have more, I'm going to be more secure. Or if I have more, then I'm going to be more important. And those are just not true. In fact, we discussed this concept that we have to stop comparing ourselves to one another. If we're going to know the secret to financial health, we've got to stop comparing ourselves to one another. We have to uh, be willing to enjoy what we've, ex what we've been blessed with. And we have to realize that, we have to remember, life is not about things, okay? Life is not about things, and, and the real secret to financial health 
is contentment. In fact, in my home, we recently just kind of th- start throwing that word out randomly. Like, man, I'm still hungry. Are you sure you're not content? You know? Or, or you know, it's, well, I'd like to have one more of this. Well, I think we need to practice some contentment here. You know, it's, it's this idea of not, not wanting to have an unhealthy des- we. We want to keep from having an unhealthy desire to have more. And so this week's message, I want to encourage you and, and kind of just spur you along in the, the habits of financial health. And so just like if you want to physically get fit, I just uh, shook Laramie's hand. He hurt his right hand, so we shook our left hands. And his left hand, I'm pretty sure his grip is stronger than my right hand grip, and I'm right-handed. And, and so if you want to be physically fit in life, there's some things you got to do. If you want to gain muscle, you got to do some workouts. you got to lift some weights. If you want to be healthy physically, you're going to have to kind of watch what you eat and how much of that. And you have to have these physical habits that you begin to implement into your life in order to be physically fit. And the same is true when it comes to your spiritual walk, when it comes to your financial walk. There's some biblical financial habits that you must develop in your life if you want to become financially fit. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Will you pray with me? God, we desire for you to teach us. May you speak to our hearts and may our hearts be opened and our minds be opened to what you'd have share with us this morning. May we take what we hear, may we apply it in our lives, and may your word be bold as it's proclaimed to bring honor and glory to you. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Jesus says some interesting things throughout Scripture. If you study through Scripture, you're going to find a lot of references to finances from Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus says that's very interesting about money is he says that our spiritual lives are very closely tied to our financial lives. They're, they're like this, okay? And, and I want us to think about that for a moment. It's this idea of, well, how do I handle my money? How do I manage my money? And he talks about this idea of, of our spiritual lives connected to our financial lives. And, and there's a spiritual test in there. There's a test that takes place. And, and as I think about managing my money, it, it's, again, this idea of a spiritual test that's going on. That means that I'm either passing or failing that test this morning, right? If there's a spiritual test that's taking place, then I'm either passing or failing. You're like, well, how do I know? What, what's this test? How do I go about, you know, passing it? And we're going to discuss that this morning. But before we move on, I, I, I thought about this idea of passing a test. And uh, just recently, within the f- past five or eight years or so, I, I was a, a lifeguard, a certified lifeguard, so I could be a lifeguard at camp. And in order for me to be a certified lifeguard, you have to have, you know, take the test. And as I was taking this test, uh, the instructor, she went to our church, and she told me ahead of time, you're, you're going to want to make sure you swim some laps before you do the swimming lifeguarding test. And I thought, well, I'm pretty in shape, you know. I walk every once in a while, sometimes jog to the refrigerator, you know. And so um, I, I'm pretty, I'm in shape. So I go to take the test the first time, and she says, well, you're going to have to uh, do 15 laps. And I'm thinking, okay, yep, up one, down two, up three, you know, and she said, no, up and back is one. I was like, okay, well, I wasn't really planning for that, but I think I can handle it. And I start swimming, and, you know, you do have to do the different strokes, some freestyle, some breaststroke, and, and whatnot, and I, I'm getting to the end of this. <laughs> I kid you not. I'm like the, the giant off of Princess Bride, where he says, I only dog paddle. 
You know, that's, that's kind of what I'm like, I'm trying to just dog pedal to the end here. Fortunately, uh, she was in our church, and so she kind of helped me out with the test. But uh, the second time I went to get recertified, I was like, no, I'm going to be prepared for the test this time. I, I got to make sure that I pass with flying colors. And so I went down to the Y two weeks before the test, and I swam laps just back and forth, you know. And it was kind of actually enjoyable. I had to get up early in the morning to do that. But when I took the test the next time, I passed. You know, I, those laps were so much easier. And when I went down to the bottom of the 12-foot, you know, and grabbed that brick to bring it up and put it on my chest and, in order for me to be able to, to try to reenact saving someone, it, it was so much easier. You see, she, the instructor, she wanted to make sure that I was physically capable of passing the test in order that I might be able to save someone. But beyond that, she was also testing me to make sure that she could trust that I had the ability and the capabilities to be able to save a life. The instructor wanted to trust my abilities enough to sign off on the fact that I could be a certified lifeguard. Now, thankfully, Jesus doesn't require you and I to swim 15 laps. Uh, are we all in agreement that we're praising God for that today? Yeah. Amen. All right. But the Bible is clear that money is an important test of our spiritual fitness. And just as the laps in a pool were used to see if the test instructor could trust me to be able to save someone that was drowning, I think it's also true that Jesus looks at how you and I handle money and see if we can be trusted with greater spiritual responsibilities to see how spiritually mature we are, to see if we can be used and blessed by God. And so turn over to Luke chapter 16, verse 11. If you want to follow along in your scriptures with me, Luke chapter 16, verse 11 says, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? See, here's the test. Jesus says, look, if I can't trust you to manage something as basic as money, how can God trust you with the true riches of spiritual wealth? If you're not good at managing the money that God is already giving you, Jesus says, then you're not responsible enough to be entrusted with the more important things, the things that will have an eternal impact. So here's the big question. How do I pass God's money test so that I can be entrusted with the more important things in life? And so today I want us to look at four financial habits from the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs. You want to turn over there, Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. And these are the key to your financial fitness and to passing the money test. And for some of you today, this might be kind of a lifeline to you. You're struggling financially. Your financial health is not where it needs to be. You're right, you know, in the middle of debt, and you're stressed out and worried. And this might be a lifeline for you this morning. For others of you, you might feel like God has, has kind of worked with you in this area, and you're doing good, and praise God for that. It might just be a kind of a spiritual checkup, a little checkup when it comes to where you're at, and maybe some things that you can tweak in order to get more in line with God and how He wants to handle our finances. And so four habits to financial health. Here's the first one. I would encourage you to write it down. There's a place in your bulletin to do that. Keep good records. 
keep good records. This is the habit of accounting. And in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23 and 24, it says, Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. You see, at that time, in those days, a lot of people were shepherds. So their assets were tied up in their flocks, in their sheep. And so God says, know the condition of your flocks. And if he was speaking to us today, he might say something to us to the effect of, know the condition of your stocks, right? Your stocks or your bonds or know the condition of your bank account or know the condition of your finances. Know the truth about what's going on financially in your life. So... How well are you doing financially? Like, really? If you're going to keep good records here, I would write these down as well. Four simple facts that you need to know about your finances. And these are quick. First one, what do I own? Your possessions, your investments, your bank accounts, your assets. Uh, what, what do you own? The second thing, what do I owe? What, what do I owe? The, you know, do I have any debts? Do I have liabilities, student loans? And you think you know, a lot of times, well, I don't want to know because that kind of scares me. But if you're going to get a handle on your finances and be financially fit, you got to know what you owe. The third thing, what do I earn? Not just like from a yearly standpoint, but what are you actually taking home after taxes? What do you have to work with to pay your bills? So what do I earn? And the fourth thing, where does it go? Are you keeping records to know like where your money is going? Sometimes it's easy, especially with cash, just to kind of send it out the door. But where is your money going? And you might think, well, I, I, don't, I don't really know how to do all of that. And even last week, I appreciate Justin uh, coming up and sharing that as a family, as a body of Christ, we need to be available to one another in these areas. And so if you're someone that struggles in this area and you need help, that's what we're here for. We're not here to judge you. We're just here to help you. Maybe you need to help putting a budget together. You need advice on how to get out of debt. Dave Ramsey has a website called everydollar.com. And it's a website that you can go on and for free create a budget to help you keep good records. And maybe it's through a different app or maybe you just keep a good checkbook. So you keep track of all your expenditures and, and how money's coming in and all those type of things. It's important to write these type of things down because it's important to keep track of your records. Okay, Keep good records. So say to the, next person ne say to the person next to you, keep good records. All right? Keep good records. All right? It's important, okay? If we're going to be financially fit in this life, we have to keep good records. The second thing is plan my spending. Plan my spending. This is the idea of, you know, the habit of, of budgeting. And some of you are like, oh, I don't like the word budget. It kind of sends chills down my spine. Yeah, okay? Well, let, maybe just use these terms then. Just think of it as setting financial goals each month, all right? Setting financial goals each month, because I think if we do that, it helps us to be more financially healthy. If we set financial goals and then stick to them, it's going to benefit you. Here's why it's so important. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, verse 5 from the New Living Translation. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Your financial fitness 
isn't based on how much you earn. It's based on how you spend what you earn. Okay, did you catch that? Your financial fitness isn't based on what you earn. It's based on how you spend what you earn. And I want you to think about that for a moment because I know for me in my life, I've known some people that have not had very much money. They don't make a ton of money, but they're very financially fit. They're very financially healthy because they manage what they have well. But then there's others that I've known, they make a lot of money, and yet they're still very financially unhealthy. You see, if we don't learn to live on less than what we make, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you're always going to struggle with that. And financial fitness, again, is it's not, if I could just make a little bit more, then I would be financially healthy. And it doesn't work that way. Because financial health doesn't come from making more, it comes from spending less, spending wisely. And this is the habit of budgeting. Do you really think through your spending, or do you just impulse buy things? The second part of Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, in the Good News translation, I thought this was interesting, the way that the Good News translation put it. I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody, but it says, stupid people spend time their money as fast as they get it. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. I remember uh, one of my friends in college, he worked at the Buckle. And he was a good salesman. He made money on uh, his, like, hourly, but then also on, uh, what's it called, commission? Yep, okay. And, uh, and he was good at it. He, he was able to sell clothes. And uh, he did a good job, and he, as a college student, was making good money, and yet he could not pay his school bill at the Bible college. You know why? Because he was spending his money as fast as he was making it. There's many months that he had to sign his check back over to the buckle because he kept spending more the money he was making on clothes that he was buying at the buckle. You see, this is, this is God's IQ test. How smart, how intelligent are you? The Bible is saying that if you're spending everything you've got as soon as it comes in, that there's a word for that. And the word is not smart. It's stupid. In the NIV, it says it may be a little bit nicer. It says those kind of people, they're foolish if they spend their money as quickly as they make it. So how does a person break this habit of impulse buying or spending as much money as you take in and it comes when you create a budget that tells your money where it's going and what it's going to do for you a budget is simply planned spending a budget tells your money where you want it to go instead of at the end of the month wondering where it all went and for some of you it means saying you know what i guess i don't really need to have cable and Amazon Prime, and Netflix, and Hulu, and Sling, and then go out and see 10 movies every single month. Maybe we could kind of cut back in some of those areas. And a budget says, I only have this amount of money to spend on entertainment, and I'm going to make sure that everything that I want to do entertainment-wise is going to fit within that amount. A budget allows for you to practice the final fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5, 23, 22 and 23. Anybody off the top of their head know what that last final fruit of the Spirit is? Yes, self-control. 
self-control, whether it's eating out or car payments or a house payment or rent payment or clothes spending, whatever you like to spend your money on, a budget helps you practice self-control. And you know what happens when you stick to a plan concerning your spending? Your stress goes way down. Because you can see what money's coming in, where it needs to go, how it's going to be spent, and you begin to take care of things from a financial aspect. And again, if, if this is something that you're struggling with, we're here for you. Larry does a good job with finances. Todd and Justin both taught the financial peace class. I'm willing to talk with you. And it's, again, it's about being together as the family of God, leaning on one another in areas that we might struggle in. But before we continue, turn to your neighbor and say, Get a budget, okay? Get a budget. Plan your spending, all right? We, we need to have that habit in our life that we're actually making that effort. And the third thing is save for my future. And that obviously this is the habit of saving. According to Experian's 2019 consumer debt study, total consumer debt in the U.S. is at $14.1 trillion dollars with Americans carrying an average personal debt of $90,460. And on the other end of the spectrum, in 2019, the typical American household had an average of $8,863 in an account at a bank or credit union, according to a report from Bank Rate. So the average American who is in debt has around $80,000 more debt than they have in savings. That's not healthy. That's not wise. That's not scriptural. The first part of Proverbs 21:20 in the NIV says, "In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil." And another way of saying this verse would be, "The wise man saves for the future." So if you are wise, you save. But the truth is, Many of us aren't all that wise. We aren't really saving, and we, we probably in a lot of ways aren't saving much at all. We're spending it as fast as it comes in and on rent that we can't afford or eating out every night or going on vacations that we can't afford or thinking we need the latest gadget or toy. And it comes back to last week's definition of materialism. Materialism is an unhealthy desire for more. We compare ourselves to others, and we think life is about things, and we don't just enjoy what we've been blessed with, and so we try to keep up with those around us. And the sad thing is, is that what we don't realize is that those around us are drowning in debt. And so all we're really trying to keep up with is their debt. And so we think we need to come up with a plan to make more money and so we can do it as quick as possible and, and pay off loans and this and that. And yet it isn't what Proverbs says. Proverbs 13, 11, New Living Translation says, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. In the NIV it says that he who gathers money Little by little makes it grow. And so we need to make the effort to consistently save our money little by little so that over time it grows. It's this principle of setting aside a little each month 
so that no matter what takes place in our lives, we're, prepa- we're prepared for that storm or that crisis that comes our way. I remember in Bible college, one of our professors, it was, I remember it was during the uh, godly man class, or it was something, I said it right first service, but it was a class about being a, a spiritual man. And I was 19 years old, and Dr. Perriott shared a, a financial philosophy from a book that he had read from a guy that was kind of just a regular guy. He didn't inherit a bunch of money. He wasn't, you know, a big-time investor. He just did some basic things. And what he became a millionaire over his lifetime. And, and the basic things that he taught in his book was to give 10% back to God through tithing and to save 10% and then live on the other 80% that a person makes each month. Being content to live on 80% to tithe 10% and to save 10%. And that guy, over time, became a millionaire. And I thought, man, that would be awesome if that could take place in my life. It hasn't, but I implement those, those, those foundational things of giving back to God and to saving. And if we're going to be financially fit, we're going to need to practice the habit of saving and the last financial habit I want to share with you today is the, the habit of tithing. Return the first 10% to God. And we hear this a lot, and, and I just want to challenge us to think about it in a way that it honors God when we do that. I do, I, I tithe because it belongs to Him. It, it all belongs to Him. He's given me everything that I have. And so I hope you realize this morning that this is one of the foundational habits to financial fitness, honoring God with my money by tithing back to God. If you want to turn over to Malachi 3.10, familiar passage that's oftentimes used uh, during the offering time in our services. Uh, from the New Living Translation, Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you just hold your finger in there for just a moment, in the Old Testament... When they talked about tithing, they brought their tithes to the place of worship. And again, in the Old Testament, that place was the temple. And in the New Testament, it's become the church, the body of Christ, the local congregation. And so the Bible speaks about bringing your tithe to your local place of worship, to your spiritual family. And then he goes on to say, if you do says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And now underline this. It says, try it. Put me to the test. Oh, what? I think this is probably one of the only places that I've found in Scripture where God says, it's okay to test me. Give it a shot. Let's see what happens. God's saying to us, yeah, if you don't really believe that when I say, I will, uh, if you honor me with your first 10% of what I bless you with, that I will bless you as in return, he says, well, let's see. Let's see if it happens. Test me. Try it. You see, here's the principle from Scripture. God says, I've given you 100% of all that you have. I've blessed you. So to show me where your heart is, to show me that I'm leading your life and not money. To show me that you love me more than you love your stuff. Bring the first 10% of what I blessed you with back to me 
as your tithe. And as parents, you know, it's kind of hard to begin to teach your kids that, where if, if you, my kids go and babysit and make $10, well, you need to tithe a dollar, 10% back to God. Bring that back to God. Or maybe you made $100 doing yard work for a day. Bring God the first $10 back to Him. And now notice as you look here in Malachi, the promise there in Scripture. When I tithe, God promises to pour out His blessings into my life. And I'm not saying, don't get, don't get me wrong, don't misquote me here. I'm not saying that that means that God is going to automatically make us all wealthy. That if we put our quarter into the gumball machine and turn the crank, that the gumball is going to come out of wealth? No, that's not what he's saying. But it means that God is going to bless my life tangibly and intangibly through my family or life experiences or providing for my daily needs. Remember, God is giving you everything you have. Everything we have belongs to God and comes from God. So when you're tithing, you aren't actually giving something that is yours to God. You're just bringing back to God what, he, what already belongs to him. Let me illustrate it for you this morning. Does someone here have a $100 bill that I could uh, use this morning? $100 bill? Anybody have a $100 bill? Okay, all right, sweet. Okay, $100 bill. All right. Russell's pretty quick here. All right. Appreciate that, Russell. Okay, I'm going to have a good lunch today, all right? Yeah. Taco Bell, yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, he was pretty quick to bring that up. Some of you are just kind of like, uh, good thing I don't carry cash. That's what I always say. Yeah. No, 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 no talking yet. We're still working on this illustration here. All right. So $100 bill, Russell brought it pretty quickly. Well, why? Why did he bring it pretty quickly? Well, it's because I gave it to him before the service started. Pretty, pretty easy to quickly give someone their $100 bill back that was given to you and asked for you to bring it back. And the same is true with God. God has given you all that you have, and, and he's saying, all I'm asking is that you're willing to, to bring back a portion of that. And I wonder in our lives, you know, how often are we willing to do that? If you look at scripture, there's this principle that, that I don't want any of us to miss this morning. When God says, bring it back to me, he's saying, bring back to me what's already mine. I've given it to you, but it belongs to me. When God says that to you, when he says, bring it back, to, what, what's your response? How, how do you react? Do you say, well, no, God. You gave that to me, and I, I appreciate Russell stuck around, okay? He didn't take off. In between services and uh, say, yeah, I got to go to lunch early, you know. He was willing to bring that back. But oftentimes we say, well, no, it's mine, God. You gave it to me. So I want to do with it what I want to do. But then others at times were willing to say, you know, God, this is yours. Yeah, you gave it to me. But I'm willing to honor you by bringing back the first part of what you've given me to honor you in my tithing. And why is tithing so important? Well, real quickly, I believe tithing, the Bible teaches tithing for three reasons. It takes care of your past, it takes care of your present, and it takes care of your future. Tithing takes care of your past because it's a statement of gratitude. 
When I tithe, I'm saying, God, I recognize that every blessing in my life is from you, so it's a statement of thanks and gratitude, and so I'm going to tithe. And tithing takes care of your present because it's a statement of priority. It says, God, you are more important to me than money, my stuff. In fact, you're so important, you take first place in my life. And I want to prove that to you by giving back a portion of that. I want to say, God, you are my first priority right here, right now, in my present life. And tithing takes care of your future because it's a statement of faith. By tithing, I'm saying, God, I'm trusting that moving forward, you're going to take care of me. No matter what takes, that goes on in my life, no matter if I lose a job or not, whether money comes in the way I thought, the bills that might, I might not be expecting, no matter what goes on, I'm still willing to tithe because I know, God, that you're going to take care of my future. You've got it handled. You're in control. And it's hard sometimes. I'll be honest with you, I didn't tell my wife this, but for a split second, and that's probably why I didn't tell her, just because in my own mind, for a split second, when we lost our gearing renters, when we lost that income coming in to help cover our, our bills here in Casper, and things got a lot tighter financially, I was tempted to stop tithing, or at least at least cut back on what I was tithing. But I didn't. I didn't give in to that temptation. And guess what? God through you, blessed our socks off during Pastor Appreciation Month. You see, God provides. And this last week, our house in Garing went under contract. Praise God. Amen. You see, if we remain faithful to God, God continues to be faithful to us. And 1 Corinthians 16.2 says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Paul is challenging us on a weekly basis to be reminded that everything we have is from God, that we need to put God first in the area of our finances. And so I want to leave you with something this morning, and I'm calling it the two-month tithe challenge. I want you to take the next two months of November and December in 2020 and commit to God a willingness to tithe on what God has blessed you with and then see what God does. After those two months, I want you to step back and, and look to see how God has provided how he's blessed you. And again, I'm not saying that God is going to automatically make each and every one of us overly wealthy, independently wealthy because we're, we're willing to tithe. But what I want you to look for is how God provides for you. How he blesses you in areas where you don't have to worry about your finances anymore because God's got it covered. You've surrendered it over to him by first putting him in first place of your finances. And see if he brings you peace in an area of your life where there's been stress. And I know this can be scary. And it might require for us to change some of our other habits in our lives, to change some things around on what we're going to make a priority first and foremost. And again, this is between you and God. The challenge is between you and God. I'm not going to follow up to make sure that you decided to accept this challenge. But let me share a story that I heard. Uh, I think it was either Air One or K-Love. I'm going to say it's K-Love. The other day as they did their pledge drive, and it was encouraging to me, and I pray that it's encouraging to you to maybe say yes to this challenge. There's a guy on the, uh, that had called in, and he shared that 
Uh, he had gone through the worst week of his life. His son had major surgery, and as he went through the major surgery, his son came out well, and he was recovering. So that was a, a praise. But during that same week that his son was dealing with a major surgery, he lost his job. And he said it was one of the worst weeks of his life. And, and the following week, he was spending time in devotions in the morning, in his quiet time, and he was listening to Caleb in the background during their um, their pledge drive, and he was led by the Holy Spirit to, to give a one-time gift. And he said on the radio, he said, I wouldn't necessarily recommend uh, everybody that has lost their job to do this, but he felt led to give $250 in a one-time gift to, er to K-Love, not knowing how his finances were going to turn out without a job. And during the, the course of that week, later on in the week, he got a call from one of his friends, and his friend communicated with him that they had also been nudged by the Holy Spirit to give him a gift. And it was interesting that the gift that he had given to Air or to Caleb was 10% of what was eventually given to him. He was gifted $2,500 by his friend that week. In the midst of a, a difficult time in his life, loss of a job, he was still faithful to give back to God. And I wonder in our own lives, are we willing to step out in faith, even when it's hard, and, and begin to make the habit of tithing in our relationship with God a priority? Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will bring over with new wine. See, God has so much to bless us with beyond our understanding, and oftentimes we just want to hold on to what he's given us so tightly, and yet God wants us to give back to him. As the praise team comes this morning, if you want to be financially fit, if you want to begin to work on your financial fitness this morning, it, it starts by working on some financial habits, to keep good records, to plan your spending, to save for your future, and return the first 10% to God. And if this is something that you're needing help with, that you need someone to, to guide you through, and again, know that we're all here, we're in this together, we're a team, we're a family. So please talk with me or Larry or Justin or Todd or whoever else you might know that is good with their finances. But maybe this morning, if you've never invested in your eternity, that you've never really come into a relationship with God where you've ever had to even think about what you should do with your finances, finance, finances from a spiritual standpoint, I pray this morning that if you need to give your life over to God, don't wait another day. Invest in your eternity because that's where the real rewards come. Will you stand with us this morning? If you have a decision to make, come as we sing, please.